welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 152, Seek Ye First. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. First, just a little bit of business. I am going to post right after this episode the readings for this week, which is Matthew chapters 6 and 7, but I'm also going to post last week's assignment, which is Matthew chapter 5 and then Luke chapter 6. And that, again, is just the readings that I did in December where we read all four Gospels, which just as a reminder, would be a great way for you to quickly make it through the New Testament, even a few times if you wanted to, as we study this year. So just go back to December anytime you want to just start making your way through the entire four Gospels in the New Testament. But as we're going to talk about today, my priorities were not great because on the day that I recorded last week's episode, I I decided, oh, I'll, I'll post that later and get that organized and uploaded later, the readings from last week. And then I just kept putting it off and putting it off and then I never did it. So I'm very sorry. I'm going to do it this week, even though we're past that, but it's never a bad time to read last week's assignment. So if you didn't get to that, that will also be on this week's readings episode, which will be right after this one. All right. Today we are still in the Sermon on the Mount, which is not a bad thing. It's so amazing. So incredible. And if you guys haven't watched The Chosen yet, how are you even happy in your life? <laughs> I joke, but it's so, so good. And actually he doesn't, they don't actually show the Sermon on the Mount in The Chosen, but I was watching last night and I feel like watching The Chosen has helped me kind of put a real person, obviously not that exact person, but that Jesus was a real human man that said these words and they they somehow become a little bit more than words on a page when you feel some of the humanity that was behind it. So I recommend watching The Chosen. You can get it on an app, um, the Angel app or The Chosen app, and just stream it through your phone and you can cast it to your TV or whatever you want to do. Just, just watch it. Okay, so we're going to start out with Jesus's words himself because I can't summarize them any better than they're already written. Starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles speak. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. After hearing all that, I was trying to think, what is the word, if I could summarize all that in one word, as far as like a topic that Christ is speaking of, I would say he is speaking about worry. With all the anxiety we have going on in our world, worry is something that we are all very acquainted with, whether that's inside of ourselves or or our loved ones around us or just the world in general. 
we are a worried bunch of people, which is a stark contrast to how we are supposed to be. We are told not to fear, which is a hard thing to do. That's a pretty steep order he's given us. And all of this is not to say that there isn't time when therapy and medication and other um, tools might not be necessary. But first, first seek ye the kingdom of God. He should always be the first thing you reach for, the first person you reach for. He is always, his solutions, his gospel, his peace is always the very most important solution. And then all of those other things can help too. As a mother, I think a lot about what we will eat. What clothes do my kids need? Are they happy? What do I want my house to look like or be organized like? What activities do I want to engage with them as a family? Are kids being nice to my kids at school? Are my kids being nice to other kids at school? Are they getting the kind of education that I want them to get? And as someone who grew up with without really cool clothes, I worry about if my kids are dressed in a way that will allow them to be accepted, which sometimes I hate that I worry about that because I don't think it's an important thing to worry about. Now, with a lot of those things, there's nothing wrong with me worrying about those things. It's part of living on the earth. I should think about what my kids should eat and if they have clothes to wear. And I think it's okay to think about how my house looks and how I want it to be organized. And I think it's okay for me to think about what activities we want to engage in. But listen to what the family proclamation says about this. Husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for each other and for their children. Children are an heritage of the Lord. Parents have a sacred duty to rear their children in love and righteousness, to provide for their physical and spiritual needs, and to teach them to love and serve one another, observe the commandments of God, and be law-abiding citizens wherever they live. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers will be held accountable before God for the discharge of these obligations. So what did that say in there? It did say provide for their physical needs. That's part of it, right? And it's part of you just living on the earth. You need to make sure that your physical needs are provided for. But what is talked about a whole lot more than physical needs is spiritual needs. It briefly mentions physical needs, but then it talks about raising them in love and righteousness providing for their spiritual needs, teach them to love and serve one another, observe the commandments of God, and be law-abiding citizens. That is a whole lot longer of a list than provide for their physical needs. Christ said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. First, Christ isn't saying that we should sit in a field worshiping God and expecting that that's all we're supposed to do. He expects us to live productive lives, to take care of the people under our responsibility, including ourselves. But first, first seek the kingdom of God. Am I putting the gospel first? Is it the highest priority in my day? There is absolutely no mistaking that that is how the Lord wants us to live our lives. After all, the Savior identifies this as the first and greatest commandment in Matthew 22. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Earlier in today's chapter, chapter 6 of Matthew, the Savior says this, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our priorities are a great indicator of where our treasure is. Is our treasure the gospel, God, Jesus Christ? Is our priority, our greatest priority, his will, which is obedience to his commandments? And what does that look like in your life when you are not prioritizing the Lord? For me, 
I think about things like choosing to sleep in rather than leave myself plenty of time to get ready for church, which then causes us to be five minutes late to sacrament meeting or choosing to go to a dinner and a movie on our date with my husband rather than use that time I claim that I don't have to go to the temple. It's frantically worrying about taking care of my children's temporal needs while neglecting their spiritual needs. It's prioritizing the busyness of our evenings over making sure that we say family prayer. It's watching three episodes of Survivor when I could be fitting other things in that we've been told to do, like read my scriptures or write in my journal. It's when I'm dealing with mental health issues with myself or my children, it's reaching for therapy tools over making sure that we're reaching for the Lord first. I could keep going, but notice that the things that I sometimes choose to put first aren't generally, they're not bad things. I don't think there's anything wrong with sleeping in every once in a while. It's not bad for me to go to dinner and a movie with my husband. I'm supposed to take care of my children's temporal needs. It's okay to be busy sometimes in the evening with things. And it's okay, or I think it's okay anyway, for me to be watching Survivor. And there's certainly nothing wrong with using the tools that we have learned in therapy with mental health. But the problem comes when we prioritize those things over the things that we should be doing with the Lord, when those spiritual things are neglected because we are focused on worldly things. Our priorities are a great reflection of what our treasure is. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So question for yourself and me for myself, what is your treasure? What is being prioritized in your life? If you're able to, I want you to pause right now and if not, do it later. But I want you to write down a list just like the one that I just created for my life. What are some real life situations that are happening in your life that are reflecting mixed up priorities? Now, none of us are perfect, nor will we be in any near future. You will be able to make a list like this right now. And in 20 years, you'll be able to make another list. Hopefully the idea is that we get a whole lot better and that our infractions are smaller, but they will still be there. Michelle Craig said this in her talk entitled Divine Discontent. And if you haven't heard this talk, you should go listen because it's one of my favorites. She says, these prophetic calls to action coupled with our innate sense that we can do and be more sometimes create within us what Neil A. Maxwell called divine discontent. Divine discontent comes when we compare what we are to what we have the power to become. Each of us, if we're honest, feels a gap between where and who we are and where and who we want to become. We yearn for greater personal capacity. We have these feelings because we are daughters and sons of God, born with the light of Christ, yet living in a fallen world. These feelings are God-given and create an urgency to act. We should welcome feelings of divine discontent that call us to a higher way, while recognizing and avoiding Satan's counterfeit, paralyzing discouragement. This is a precious space into which Satan is all too eager to jump. We can choose to walk the higher path that leads us to seek for God and his peace and grace, or we can listen to Satan, who bombards us with messages that we will never be enough, rich enough, smart enough, beautiful enough, anything enough. Our discontent can become divine or destructive. As I evaluate my priorities, this is where my mind goes. I try not to beat myself up and get angry about how messed up my priorities are sometimes, although I need to repent for them. But I am so excited. I have divine discontent for how much better I can get at prioritizing the Savior in my life. And I feel excited about that because I know that that will produce in me something better than I could do by myself, something unimaginably better. 
I feel called to a higher and holier way. I feel inspired and hopeful and amazed as I'm reminded that there are so many more important things than the worldly things that I worry about or the worldly things that I reach for. And again, Jesus said about that worry, which of you by taking thought, meaning worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? How useless is my worry? It's still going to happen. I'm still going to worry. But how glad am I that even though I'm still going to worry because I'm not perfect, that I can cling to the knowledge or at least the hope of the knowledge that it doesn't matter, that my worrying doesn't help anything. So I can acknowledge that, but I also can rejoice in the knowledge that the Savior told me that my worry is unnecessary, which maybe can be frustrating, but that is hope. That gives me a tool for letting go of that worry if I can truly believe that it's not necessary and that it helps nothing. Elder Holland said, Sisters and brothers, through the incessant din and drumbeat of our day, may we strive to see Christ at the center of our lives, of our faith, and of our service. That is where true meaning lies. And if some days our vision is limited and our confidence is waned and our belief is being tested and refined, as surely it will be, may we then cry out the louder, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I promise with apostolic fervor and prophetic conviction that he will hear you and he will say, soon or late, receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. The Lord has it all in his hands, everything, everything you or I worry about. The horrific broad situations of the world down to your very specific one. President George Q. Cannon once said, no matter how serious the trial, how deep the distress, how great the affliction, God will never desert us. He never has and he never will. He cannot do it. It is not his character to do so. He will always stand by us. We may pass through the fiery furnace. We may pass through deep waters, but we shall not be consumed nor overwhelmed. We shall emerge from all these trials and difficulties, the better and the purer for them. I want to end by reiterating what the Savior said now that you have this fresh on your heart and on your mind. Therefore, I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.